0: Would you like to 10x your productivity and stop feeling so overworked and overwhelmed? Welcome to the Extreme Productivity Podcast with New York Times best-selling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey there everybody. Kevin Cruz here and I'm sharing the surprising things ultra-productive people do differently based on my original survey research of thousands of working professionals and on my interviews with over 200 super-high achievers. Now, in the last episode, I shared the nine-step cure for procrastination, and today I'm going to talk about how President Bush read 95 books a year and how his productivity secret will enable you to leave work at a decent hour and enjoy your personal time stress-free. First, remember, you can get the Quick Start Action Plan that includes the one-page tool that millionaires use to schedule their day just by sending a text message. Send the word achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, achieve, to the number 44222, or go to the website productivity-podcast.com. So, have you ever wondered how the world's most important people always seem so calm, stress-free, so fully present in the moment? In other words, they were completely, they are completely the opposite of who I used to be when I was uh, starting and running companies, you know back when I was young and dumb uh, in my 20s. I mean, things got so bad. I mean, business was going well but at a tremendous uh, cost. I didn't know how to be productive. I would literally be jogging down the hallway, my own, the hallways in my own building, racing back to my office to jump on a call that had just come in or to make the next meeting. I mean, that's how tight the schedule was. I was physically jogging through my own office. You know, I can re- really visually distinctly remember so many times when I would be driving to work or driving back from work or into the office, and I would have a sandwich in one hand and my mobile phone in the other, and I'm staring with my knees. Not a good idea. Children, do not try this at home. I used to go around and, you know, my constant state, I always tell people, you know, I was fatigued, I was frazzled, I was so frustrated. I was totally effed, the three F's. And worst of all, and I bet you can relate, a lot of you out there can relate, I was on this emotional yo-yo between guilt and stress. And you know, if I was working late in the office, I felt guilty that I wasn't home with my family. <laughs> but then Sunday when I'm sitting on the floor with my you know, toddler stacking blocks for hour after hour, I'm jumping out of my skin inside, stressing out that endless to-do list. I got so much to do and here I am stacking blocks for two hours uh, this morning. You know, guilt or stress, stress or guilt. And yet so many of the super high achievers around me didn't have that going on at all. I started to talk them, investigate, you know, how do you have time to train for a marathon, to go golfing every weekend, you know, to be reading books all the time. To sit across from me, you know, at a lunch meeting, and be completely focused and mindful of me and the restaurant and the food, and not even worrying about, you know, your your smartphone or text messages or what was going on back in the office. And this was uh, this is an interesting story that caught my eye and has stayed with me. You know, back in two thousand eight, Carl Rove, that um, Republican political strategist, he wrote. An article for the Wall Street Journal, and you know Rove had been working for President George W. Uh, Bush, and in this article, Rove talks about a little competition between him and the president. So this is this is what Rove described. He says it all started on New Year's Eve in two thousand and five. President Bush asked what my New Year's resolutions were. I told him that as a regular reader who had gotten out of the habit, my goal was to read a book a week in 2006. Three days later, we were in the Oval Office. He fixed me in his sights and said, I'm on my second. Where are you? Mr. Bush had turned my resolution into a contest. And the outcome of the bet? At the year's end, I defeated the president 110 books to 95. My trophy looked suspiciously like those given out at a junior bowling final. The president lamely insisted he had lost because he'd been busy as the leader of the free world. Now, this article blew my mind. The leader of the free world, the president of the United States, has time to read 95 books in one year, and and Karl Rove, a very powerful, important man in his own right, uh, he read 110 books in one year. I was mean, totally blown away. I mean, you know, the president of the United States. I mean, imagine what his calendar must look like. You know, how many meetings are scheduled? How much time is needed to? To ponder all the decisions you know that have to be made, you know that at the end of every day there's store, still, um, you know, more foreign leaders to call back into influence, more CIA briefings you know to read, more campaign contributors to call and suck up to, or you know, more wounded veterans to to write letters to, um, voters to rally. There's so much to do, and there's a ticking time clock. You know, presidents must feel tremendous pressure in their first term. They've only got four years to deliver some goods. Otherwise, there won't be a second term. And then in their second term, they've only got four more years to like leave a legacy. How will history remember them? So their minutes count. And yet they're reading 100 books a year. How can this be? Well, and I didn't talk to President Bush. He didn't return my email. I did try, (laughs) but he valued, I'm sure he valued reading two books a week because, you know, to him, it was important. It was a way to relieve stress or to get smarter or to just have some fun. You know, he knew that learning and recharging the batteries, his batteries was an important task. This is what all the Olympic athletes told me that I interviewed for the book. You know, they said very often the thing they can do to get closer to winning a gold medal is to take a nap. (laughs) They didn't really talk about it as napping or sleeping or being lazy. It was called recovery. So, you know, in short, President Bush had clearly defined what he valued in his life and he allocated his time accordingly. You know, he didn't respond to endless calls for attention, um, you know, the the, the endless to-do lists. He figured out what was important. He knew that life was a marathon, not a sprint, and he just allocated for the long haul. Uh, A life-changing quote um, from the book, High Output Management from Andy Grove, who was the founder and former CEO of, of Intel, High Output Management. And he talks about he goes home at a reasonable hour, like 6, 630 every single day. Doesn't matter what's on the to-do list. Doesn't matter the the crises of the day. You know, he said, basically, he goes home when he's ready to go home, not when he's done, because he's never done. He says, there will always be more to do and more than can be done. And when you really, I mean, it's simple words, but when you really let that sink in, when you realize you're never going to catch up, there will always be more things you could do. It just changes the way you think About your time. You know, when I was running around totally effed, you know, I had a belief system that the next item on my to-do list was more important than other items in my life, like my health, my marriage, you know, my kids, helping other people. Now, I didn't have this consciously in my mind. It was subconscious, but you can't argue with it because you looked at how I spent my time. You know, I spent 100 hours a week desperately working to grow my business Because of my passion, you know, to make money and to to achieve financial independence, to be an entrepreneur. I probably gave, I don't know, 10 hours a week to my family. And in those 10 hours, I mean, how present was I when I was constantly thinking about work? You know, physically, how how much energy did I have to have fun with my kids or to connect, you know, with my wife when I was just totally exhausted and wanted to sleep? I'm sure from their perspective, it was like hanging around with a zombie, you know, me shuffling through the hallways and kind of groaning and drooling as they tried to tell me about their day or whatever it was. You know, I I didn't have it all right because I just always felt I could solve the problems. There's a crisis I could fix. There's another thing I could do. I didn't set limits. And listen, I know. Now, a lot of self-made millionaires, you know, guys who started and then sold their companies or went public or whatever, and uh, on the outside, they all look great, you know, with their, their $100,000 sports cars and racehorses, or they collect art, or they have uh, articles written about their success in the business magazines. But I know a lot of those guys who have completely messed it up, um, my friend Alan, who had a heart attack in his 40s, and his doctor said, "Here's the number one thing that you need to do to not die: stop eating pizza." <laughs> and that stinks because I really like pizza. You know, he had to completely change. He almost died, may die young from another heart attack, and completely had to change. You know, his lifestyle. Um, Tony has a teenage son who's a phenomenal young man, and uh, his son doesn't speak to him anymore. Uh, that's his relationship with his son. Um, Ned blew up his marriage uh, to the point where his grown daughter didn't even let him come to her wedding. He wasn't even invited to his own daughter's wedding. You know, I've got two teenage daughters. I cannot imagine the pain of, of, you know, being disowned by them, not being able to walk them down the aisle. I mean, I can think of almost nothing worse you can never catch up you can never get it all done there will always be another crisis another fire life is a marathon life needs to be balanced the solution the the takeaway from president bush reading you know 95 books a year is that you need to think up you know, need to think about and identify what do you value in your life recognizing that life is a marathon and then allocate your minutes your 1440 a day To those areas, you know, you might value your health, not just because people say you should, but, you know, it's going to give you more energy. You're going to think and perform better. You're going to take fewer sick days. And yes, hopefully you'll live longer. You might value time with your family uh, because, you know, you feel happy when you feel connected to people. You feel good giving love and guidance to your kids. And we need our families when we get low in times of crisis. Um, we need our families to celebrate with. Why are we doing all this if we we can't celebrate and enjoy it along the way? Um, you know what? For those of you who think, oh, you know, I'll connect with my kids when they're not toddlers, when they're older, when they can speak more like adults. Believe me, you know, if you're trying to connect with your kids for the first time when they're teenagers, ain't going to work. <laughs> Figure you'll connect with them when they're adults and you're retired. It's too late. They've connected with other people in their life. Connections take time. You know, you might value hobbies, golf, scrapbooking, reading, whatever it is, because that helps you to recharge. It's okay to have fun. And listen, you know, there's no judgment here. If you truly value business and financial success, and you know, maybe you're not married, maybe you don't have kids, maybe you're not, uh, maybe you're an introvert and you don't have a lot of friends And you get charged up by your mission, your passion, which is your business. Good, but just be intentional about it. I was not intentional. You know, I was working 100 hours a week and it felt like I was running from a freaking grizzly bear, you know, nonstop for five years. Be intentional about what you value in your life. Realize that it's a marathon and then allocate your time accordingly. This year, I'm going to read at least Fifty-two books. How about you? Alright, that's another episode of the Extreme Productivity Podcast. If you want to instantly download the one-page planning tool that millionaires use to schedule their day, you know what to do. Just text the word ACHIEVE to 44222 or go to extreme-productivity.com Listen in to the next episode where I'm going to reveal... Richard Branson's number one tool for success. He said he would not have been able to build the billion-dollar Virgin Group without this tool, which actually costs just a couple of bucks. So tune back in, and I will let you know what his secret to success is. Until then, remember, master your minutes to master your life. Hey, if you like this podcast, you're going to love the LeadX Academy at leadx.org. If you didn't know, LeadX is actually my company, and we have dozens of video-based courses that are designed to help you to achieve your full potential. And I personally teach you courses via video, like how to cure procrastination, how to stop time thieves, how to cut your email inbox traffic in half, how to get to inbox zero with the 4D habit, how to minimize your meeting time and how to maximize your focus and energy and so much more. And every month we're adding new courses, new webinars and new resources. You could check it all out, no cost. There's a free trial at leadx.org. Until next week, remember, we all have the same 1,440 minutes a day. Master your minutes to master your life.